Welcome to another Dulos Deliberation. My name is Levi Bimba, and today we are going to talk about darkened thinking. So I want to start off with a passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. And Paul had just finished wrapping up three chapters discussing some sound, uh, robust theological doctrine regarding the, uh, the sovereignty of God and salvation, regarding that it, it is him who's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. It is by grace that we are saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we are, and so Paul has finished just fleshing this out for the Ephesian church. And now he's moves into the next half of the book of Ephesians regarding practical Christian living and what that looks like. If you're somebody who has been saved by grace, somebody who's been chosen from the foundation of the world, somebody who has been, uh, who has been enlightened and, and has been chosen to be in Christ, this is how their life should look like. And he contrasts that with what the previous life looks like. And he says in verse 17, he says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. So in verse 18, it says, having the understanding darkened, and that's what I wanted to focus on because some sometimes when you read stories in the news you just start to ask yourself how in the world can people who are supposed to be among the smartest and brightest people in leadership we assume they have the wisdom and, and the the uh, wherewithal to make sound judgment when but some of the decisions that they make you question if they are even sane and I think that's what Paul is getting at here is that's when people that are walking in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened. These are people that are not in Christ. So it doesn't matter what station of life they're in. They could be the president. They could be uh, a local city councilman. They could be a local community community organizer. They could be a king. They could be any kind of ruler or any kind of leader in any home, a dad or a mother or a pastor or wherever they are. If they're not in Christ, then their understanding will be darkened and it will and it will show, will show up sometimes more flagrantly than other times. But and we'll get to the story that I that I think shows you exactly what Paul's talking about here in a, in a second. But he talks about how they're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of their blindness of heart. So the people that are alienated from the life of God, they're alienated through ignorance. They just don't know. They don't know how to think. They don't know how to reason, how, how, what is sound judgment. All these things that we tend to take for granted, sound, soundness and thinking, reason. These are all things that are based on things, based on one foundational uh, concept, which is truth. And Jesus says himself that he is the truth. So to, to be for reason and for sound judgment apart from Christ, you're, you're cutting yourself off uh, from the source of all reason and sound judgment. So Paul, Paul is saying here that people like you and me, those of us who are who are unsaved and became saved, this is who we were. We didn't have any. We had a vanity in our minds. We were we our understanding was darkened. Uh, we were alienated from the life of God. We had ignorance, and we were blind in our by our hearts. We were past feeling. We had given ourselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So these are characteristics of people who are just walking in the flesh. They just do whatever feels good. They just do whatever comes 
to to their mind and they and they reason within themselves. Yeah, this is right. This is good. This is how things ought to be. And we see the tragic reality of that played out in society when we have leaders who are making judgments and passing laws that are supposedly for the good of certain people. When it turns out it's just backwards, detrimental, darkened thinking that has a, a huge effect on society. And I think that fits this article perfectly, or I think that verse um, fits this article perfectly that I came across uh, at PatriotsForTruth.com. And the title is Women Prisoners Given Birth Control as Transgender Men Arrive. So this article discusses that there are prisoners uh, from male prisons who are now identifying as female and in California, they've passed a law that went into effect January 1st that allows men who claim to be women to now have uh, access and or have their confinement in a woman's prison. And this is how the article explains how, how this is working itself out. So it says California Democrats are inviting violent male criminals who they say who say they are transgender to move into housing with women prisoners and in exchange are providing the women with condoms and abortion pills. So you can already see there's already a tacit assumption that when you have men who claim to be women joining women, women's prisons, there's going to be a lot of sexual activity. And most of that are will probably be in the form of rape. So they're offering condoms and abortion pills. Now, how, how terrible is that? That's evil upon evil. We're going to allow this kind of backwards thinking that we're going to allow men to identify as women. And we're going to put them in a woman's prison. And then on top of that, because we know what will take place, we're going to provide the means by which they can kill the baby that may come as a result of the sexual activity. Governor, uh, the article continues, Governor Gavin Newsom signed Senate Bill 132, the Transgender Respect Agency and Dignity Act. And they always pass bills that if you if you vote against it or you are against it, particularly Democrats. And I, and I think Republicans do the same thing. They, they write a bill to make it look like if you vote against respect, agency and dignity, then you don't care for that person's well-being and, and care for their worth. But these concepts of respect, of agency, of dignity, these are all founded in biblical principles. So when you but of course, the world will just take pick and choose what they want to be uh, good for them. And then they reject everything else that has laid out that's laid out in God's law, namely the uh, distinctions between male and female. But it says they they uh, the bill, the Transgender Respect Agency and Dignity Act. Uh, was signed into law last year. The law allows, quote, transgender, non-binary and intersex people to be housed and searched in a manner consistent with their gender identity, according to a press release from the California Democrat of or California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Authored by State Senator Scott Weiner, the law took effect on January 1st, 2021. Ralph Diaz was quoted as saying he's the uh, secretary. Uh, CDCR secretary. No one deserves to be treated disrespectfully because of their gender identity or expression. Now, again, we're talking about criminals here, at least in this context. So uh, if you break a law and you are caught and put in prison, I think you've given up your right to be treated uh, respectfully, quote unquote, regarding your gender identity or expression. And he, he continues, he says, and it is our sworn duty to protect people from sexual assault 
and violence. And again, you got to be wondering what he's thinking by allowing this bill to go through. If you're trying to protect people from sexual assault and violence, why are you taking men who claim to be women, women and putting them into a woman's prison who, mind you, are who are convicted, convicted felons, violent felons. Uh, the article continues, it says, but critics of the law, including the feminist group Women's Liberation Front, or Wolf, published a lengthy analysis on how the bill is dangerous for women prisoners, and proof is that prison officials are handing out condoms and abortion-inducing Plan B to female inmates. The Wolf article reads in part, so this is a women's liberation, uh, the group is called Women's Women's Liberation Front, and they they are a feminist, uh, abortion on demand supporting, and they're a group that, even though they're called Women's Liberation Front, when you read their About Us page, they talk about how they want to abolish all gender norms, and they don't. They want to remove the distinction between the sexes, and so that they don't, so that male um, supremacy isn't isn't uh, at the forefront and and causing women to be to be abused and things like that, but. It doesn't make sense. Again, this goes back to the point that Paul is making that people in the world that have darkened understanding, they can't think clearly. They have they're holding two contradictory views in their mind. You say you're in a woman's group, but then on the other hand, you're saying, well, we don't want to this group exists to get rid of distinctions between male and female and get rid of the uh, the delineations between the two sexes because it's a it's a bad concept that we don't want in society but we're going to call ourselves a woman's liberation front but on this issue when it comes to men being in prison being in women's prisons uh, I think they they start to see the danger here and their article reads women incarcerated in California's largest women's prison are describing the conditions as a nightmare's worst nightmare after introduction of new pre- pregnancy resources in Central California's women's facility which is one of the biggest, um, biggest women's prisons in California. The new resources are a tacit admission by officials that women should expect to be raped when housed in prison with men, where all sex is considered non-consensual by default within the system. So even if men who engage in sexual activity with the women, if it's, even if it's consensual because of the context of prison, they're automatically going to deem it as rape. So they're, they're saying that these, the fact that these women are getting these uh, abortion pills and, and sexual uh, uh, materials, um, they're saying that the, initial, the officials in these prisons are already admitting that they know what's going to happen. New posters recently appeared in medical rooms outlining the options available to pregnant people. They call them pregnant people because not only women can be present, can be pregnant in today's day and age in prison, including prenatal care, abortion and adoption. The poster also declares that women have the right to contraceptive counseling and your choice of birth control methods by a licensed health care provider within 60 to 180 days prior to scheduled release date. However, the only methods available to incarcerated women to prevent pregnancy are condoms, which appeared shortly after the men, and Plan B emergency contraceptives. Women's prisons across the state appear to be making final preparations such as these for a massive wave of tra- transfers after ne- nearly 300 requests were initiated following Senate Bill 132 going into effect in January of this year. So far, only about 20 of the transfers have been processed and exactly zero transfer requests have been denied, leaving hundreds of men, many of whom are sex offenders, awaiting entry into the women's estate. So you have a state who passed a bill or that passed a bill 
to respect the dignity and the identity of people, men who claim to be women. And they're going so far as to allow these men to be brought into women's prisons and not to have their own separate section off from the women in these prisons, but to literally mix them in as if they were women naturally. And many of these men are sex offenders. And you have this uh, women's group in California who is saying, this is ridiculous. This can't, you can't do this. You're, you're going to endanger women, even though this same group is for abortion on demand and is for uh, the, the the complete decimation of men and male and female gender and sex distinction. So the article this art, the article claims that men who want to be housed in a women's prison just need to take a class entitled "Right Person, Right Prison." So that's it. So you can you don't have to prove that you've been on hormone therapy for a certain amount of time. You don't have to have a history of of sexual confusion or whatever the case may be. All you have to say is if you're a man in prison today in California, you can say, you know, I, I identify as a, as a woman. They'll put you in a little class that you have to take. Once you take the class, you're pretty much good to go. And not one request has been denied so far. And it says in just, and in just six months since the, since the enactment of Senate bill one, three, two, the number of incarcerated people who say they are transgender or non-binary has increased from 1,088 to 1,237. The nearly 300 pending transfers are only the beginning of the invasion of women's prisons by violent male inmates, including convicted murderers and rapists, the article says. So this is just the beginning. And this is what happens when you have leaders who are outside of Christ. They have a darkened thinking. They're, they're alienated from the life of God, as Paul says. And this is how it works itself out in society. When you you begin to acknowledge uh, the fact that you, you begin to acknowledge people's uh, choice to choose uh, to change their gender or to claim that if you're a man uh, and the man says, well, now I'm a woman, then you're going to say, well, because your understanding is dark and you're alienated from the life of God. Well, because we want to, quote unquote, respect people's dignity and an agency, we're going to allow this biological man to enter this woman's prison because he says he's a woman. And that's the problem. When you have darkened thinking, it gets spread out to the culture, especially when you have leaders who don't know Christ, who are not, uh, who have not repented of their sin and trusted in Christ alone. And that's the danger of living in this kind of world where they have no fear of God. When you have no fear of God, you have a darkened understanding, and then you are you're just past feeling, you're past understanding, you're past reasoned thinking. And now you have a society where this invasion of men into women's prisons is just just the beginning. And you have other secular people who also have a darkened understanding regarding other issues like abortion and gender roles. They still have some semblance of of, of reason in them, that that light uh, of God in them. To, realize, to recognize that this is a danger to the women in this prison. But again, this it doesn't matter because we have to accept everybody for who they are. We, we don't like anything that can contradict the person's agency or identity unless it actually is something that's truthful, obviously. So this is just part of the world that we're living in today. And you, like Paul says, you know, just pray for those who are in authority that God would have mercy on them, that God would bring them to the knowledge of the truth, because this kind of thinking leads to 
literally danger for women in this case in prison who are now just being told, we know you're going to get raped. We know you're going to be sexually assaulted. We're just going to try to provide you with all the care that you need after the fact, even though we could prevent this by not allowing men to come in here in the first place. So this is all part of the the detrimental, uh, deleterious effects on society when you have a society who says we don't want God in our thinking. We don't want this man to rule over us. We will do it ourselves. And God says, all right, you want to do it yourself? I'm going to hand you over to a darkened mind. I'm going to hand you over to a more corrupt, uh, abominable, cursed, wretched way of thinking. And this is how it's going to play out in your society. And, and I think we're seeing the fruits of that. This is just one one <laughs> aspect of the the many things that are going on in American culture today because we've chosen to reject God. And this is the fruits of it. So. Um, I just want you to, uh, to understand that whenever you see things like this, just realize these people are lost. They can't think straight. It's not that they don't want, it's not that they, uh, are trying to think, uh, what think reasonably and think rationally It's that they can't. And even further than that, they don't want to. I mean, the Bible says that the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. Romans 8 says that clearly. So when you have people that are in leadership, they just can't be subject to the law of God. They don't want God in their thinking, and this is the result of it. And it's a shame. I mean, Todd Friel makes the point that whenever you have a culture who hates God and rejects his law, women and children suffer the most in that culture. Um, so thank you for listening to this Do Lots of Liberation, and we will see you on the next one.